0: Hello everyone and welcome to From Tip to Tail, a podcast dedicated to animal welfare. This podcast is sponsored by Cuddly. Cuddly is the only crowdfunding
1: platform built specifically for animal welfare organizations worldwide. I'm Bridget. And I'm Sydney. We've spent years working with animal rescues and have seen such amazing innovation, strength, and heart. Having this personal connection with rescuers has
0: made us more informed, grateful, and inspired. We hope by giving you an inside look,
1: you will be too. Today, we're gonna be sitting down with Larissa Gavin, the president and founder of Lola's Lucky Day, which is a nonprofit with a mission to rescue homeless dogs in the Texas area and network with rescues in Wisconsin to find them loving homes. Having saved over 7,000 dogs since their inception in 2015, it's safe to say that this rescue is a force to be reckoned with and they are only just getting started. That's why we were so honored that Larissa took a moment to speak with us about how healthy communication, social media, and business mindsets have made all the difference for her growth. If you like this episode, be sure to click that subscribe button to listen in on similar stories. Other than that, let's get started. Hey, Larissa, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me.
0: We're so honored. I feel like all day long, we're just seeing like all the happy dogs that are coming out of your rescue. So it's nice to be able to put a human face to all the happy dogs <laughs> and kind of dig into exactly what your work entails and, and really what you're all founded around. But before we get into that, we always like, cause I feel like so many people from so many different walks of life get into rescue. So we're wondering how did Lola's lucky day begin? Great question. So
2: my twin sister, she ended up adopting a dog. Through another rescue in Houston called Corridor Rescue in 2013. The dog is a pit bull, and she had been sitting and boarding for over nine months. And to make it harder for her to get into a foster adoptive home, she also had an eye condition. So my sister adopted her, and that Christmas, my dad, my sister, and I went out with Corridor Volunteer to a bad part of Houston to see where Fiona came from. And we were just blown away by the problem that I didn't know existed to that extent. So we were just in the area with a volunteer and she was showing us they were feeding dogs. And it was a changing point in my life. I vividly remember standing in the street and there being dogs just roaming around like I was in a third world country. And at that moment, I looked up and I could see my office building downtown, which was night and day Mm -hmm. different. Just a stone throw away, but a world away. So at that moment, I decided I wanted to do something about it to make a positive change. I'm originally from Wisconsin. And as I mentioned, my dad was with me at the time. My parents still live there. And my dad mentioned a lot of the shelters there don't have that many dogs. So with that in mind, I just started from the very ground and I just started emailing, contacting anybody who would listen to me in Wisconsin to see if I were to send them fully vetted dogs that were ready to be adopted, could they adopt them out for me? So that's kind of how it began. And then I spent the whole year of 2014 Pretty much working to pay for this little side hobby, <laughs> which involved me rescuing dogs and fostering them at my house. And then kind of brought into friends who would help me. And my husband and I would rent SUV on a Saturday morning, fill it up with dogs, take it, drive it to Wisconsin. And they would, we would meet our rescue pa- partners where they would handle the adoption part of it. The dogs were fully vetted and ready to go and then sunday night we'd fly back to texas to go to work on monday morning so that's how it started i was an executive assistant and my boss at the time that i worked for he casually mentioned one morning my kids are looking for another dog and i said kind of under my breath oh i have like six puppies at my house <laughs> he was like so bring him over so my kids can meet them so that weekend i was bathing all these puppies and putting cute little ribbons on them. And in my head thinking, whoever gets this gig, it's gonna be your lucky day. Like this family spoils their animals like all dogs deserve. So thankfully they ended up adopting a cute little puppy that we had found the litter under a house in the corridor area. And they um it's a little Rottweiler mix and they named it Lola. So it kind of began. Their family ended up encouraging me to start my own 501c3. And with that, they also donated as a match $20,000. So we were able to purchase our own vehicle and just kind of started to do things a lot more efficiently. And as a 501c3. So the first dog kind of that started it, I guess, was Lola. And I try to keep everything really positive and happy And whenever we get a dog, we say it's their lucky day. Their life has changed because we made a decision to save them. So with that premise in mind, and actually the people that adopted Lola, their last name is Day. So I decided to call it Lola's Lucky Day. And since we started, we've helped over 7,500 dogs since
1: 2015. Wow. That's incredible. I do want to point out just how amazing it is, even prior to Lola, just you having Fiona and wanting to go look for the origins of her story. I feel like I've heard a lot of ways in which people get involved in rescue. You know, they go to a shelter or they grow up loving animals. I think you're the first person I've heard that had a dog and wanted to know where she came from. You went out and looked, and that's when the problem was just right in front of your eyes. I think I just feel like that's so amazing that you took the initiative to want to go see where she came from, and then you saw the problem from there and then wanted to start doing something about it.
2: Thanks. And I think that also makes has made our rescue a little maybe more successful in a way that I can relate to how we started. I would never ask any volunteer to do anything that I haven't done personally myself. Nobody's on payroll with Lola's. It's all do- donations that go towards rescuing dogs and to our, our program of rescuing dogs. So I would never ask of anybody something that I haven't done for myself, which is like everything that I've done in the first year and then since. So I think that really helps. And I think it gave me a different perspective initially starting out to see the problem firsthand. I didn't, I knew there was a problem, but not to that extent, just how severe and how bad it is here in
0: Houston. And I feel like we've talked to so many rescues. I feel like we've talked to like we're blue in the face about (laughs) that issue that is so prevalent in Houston. And I think it is hard to understand unless you see it yourself because you think of all these big metropolitan areas and you think well no they're like first world areas where everyone is like all about progress and and there's so much going on there but but it is right in our own backyard in so many ways it's almost like a dirty little
2: secret houston is what the fourth largest city in the country and my background was in oil and gas working downtown and I had no idea it was this bad until I got involved with it. So just advocating for the animals and letting people know how bad the problem is, is really crucial. And hopefully aiming towards making positive changes in the city by acknowledging just how severe this problem is. And it's not going to get any better if things aren't changed.
0: Definitely. I also think it's so interesting and so wonderful that you started so small and it was like, just that little bit and like that, that consistency and that progress that you did, like other people's were, they were brunching on the weekends and you were transporting (laughs) dogs.
2: Yeah. I can't believe my husband stayed married to me. Like he's amazing. (laughs) It was definitely challenging. It was definitely hard. And I think it makes me just appreciate more our team because we have such a valuable team of fosters and transport drivers and all of our rescue partners. So, it really makes you value the people that work with you to keep this machine running. And everybody's doing it because they care and they want to do something and they're doing it out of the goodness of their own heart to help animals. So, that in itself is really rewarding to be a part of.
0: Well, and I think when you first start out, a lot of times it feels like you're kind of running in place and you're like, I'm not even getting anywhere. I'm just doing this over and over. But I think that it's so important to like, Remind people, especially those just starting out, like that's how it feels at first, and then suddenly you'll get these breaks, right? Like where someone's like, "Let me adopt a dog," and here's the twenty thousand dollar match. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you could have never anticipated that, and it's just because you were you were dedicated and you were doing it still. And then I'm sure all your other progress has been because you've maintained that consistency and haven't given up. Thank you for saying that. I think another important thing is
2: just treating everybody that contacts me asking for help, wanting wanting help with the same respect because I'll, you never know who that person is going to be or how they may help you down the road. So one of the things that I've always maintained is whenever somebody emails me, even every morning when I check my emails, I get tons of emails every day asking for help. I mean, this morning I got at least 20 emails asking me to take a dog. And unfortunately, I can't always take a dog, but I always respond. So I will at least respond and say, I'm sorry, I can't help, but here's some alternatives that you might want to try. And a lot of times I'll get an email back saying, you're the only person that responded to Mm -hmm. me and I sent like 50 emails. With that in mind, starting from nothing. And when I first started and I'd reached out to a ton of people, I would appreciate just somebody emailing me back to say, hey, I can't help or if they took that extra 2 seconds to say maybe try this. And I'm always also happy to share how we do things and how I've done things to make our process a lot more efficient. Therefore we're able to help a lot more dogs. I'm happy to share it with anybody that wants to learn. So we've gained a few a few partners that way by people wanting to help in Wisconsin. Instead of them starting from the bottom from scratch, we can share with them what we've done and how efficient that system is. We're not reworking a wheel. I mean, we're all trying to do the same thing here. We want to help dogs and it makes the most sense if we just work together and working
0: together, we can help more and save more. So that is such an important point. Cause I know there are so many rescues too. It's an easy reaction to only respond to people, you know, or only respond to like the big donors and, and treat, People with a a sliding scale almost, but I love that mentality because you never know who that person is or who they're going to know or what's going to happen and what that impact is going to be on their life. So giving everyone that like five-star treatment and like that care to give them the respect of a simple response is so, Mm -hmm. I can't overstate it because I know personally, like in in our field, sometimes we're, we're messaging rescues all day long. And even a rejection from a rescue feels like you won something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because then you're just not left hanging. I feel like I hear that a lot with people who apply to adopt. They apply to adopt and then they never hear back again. And there's very minimal rescues that I've heard of that will respond to those people saying, hey, we're not going to go through with you, but we do appreciate that you put in the application. They love hearing back regardless of the news that it is. So I, I love that. And I think it probably helps build such a supportive community towards Lola's lucky day. I agree.
2: That's how I want our rescue to operate. And again, just positive and helpful and we're all in it for the same reason.
0: Definitely. I know we always like try to touch on obviously you've been doing this for a little bit here, so obviously there may have been some change over the past year and a half with how the world has run, the way transports have run. So how did things change for you and and then have they also flipped back now that the world's opening up and we can all start being people again. I think
2: it definitely became a lot more challenging
0: and we've definitely utilized
2: social media a lot more which has helped in regards to fundraising and then just getting the word out about what we're doing definitely has affected the type of cases we're getting. So Houston for an example, some of the large shelters had closed intake, monitored intake, making appointments. And that's really had an effect on us as rescues because a lot of times people are in dire situations and they can't wait two weeks or sometimes even a few days to move a dog. A lot of times it's people, maybe they found a dog and they were just temporarily, they wanted to take it to a shelter and then they arrive at the shelter and they don't have that outlet. So then they're in dire need to find a rescue or find a safe place for that dog. So we definitely have seen a huge increase in the amount of dogs needing help here, which is still prevalent now, and also in the severity of the cases that we've received. So we're really thankful that Cuddly has helped us with those severe cases. It's made a really big difference. And it also is such a great platform for sharing our work and what we're doing and then the type of dogs that we're coming across with the whole past year and a half we've seen cases a lot more severe than we've seen in the past so maybe people trying to hold on to dogs longer than they may than they should have because of a medical condition all sorts of reasons that we're now getting more severe medical cases which ends up costing us a lot more money and Also, unfortunately, we're seeing a higher percentage of heartworm positive dogs as well.
0: That is so heartbreaking. And I mean, it is very telling too, because I know Sydney and I talk about this as well, because we see all the dogs coming onto our platform and we're like, are things getting worse? felt that way for a bit. It still does. And I think that's such an important point that you made is like, it's not necessarily always abuse. It's not necessarily like these other things, but it may be people who can't surrender their animal and the dog has a medical condition they can't, they can't or don't know how to care for. Mm -hmm. And so it just continues on and becomes more aggravated because I know the number of dogs we've seen with just
1: giant tumors has been insane. They do start off small. So you know that it obviously has been going on for some time when we see them and they're the size of melons.
2: I think it really hits on the point of having availability to people to have low-cost vets that can help them and access to taking their dogs there. Just having that access and a low-cost option really does make a difference. And a lot of times when I respond to people seeking help for a dog, and maybe it's just, I need help getting this medical thing done, or can you help me stay or neuter a dog? We will gladly do that. That's a part of Our program where if somebody wants to keep a dog and it's generally just simple medical thing that can be taken care of, but they still want to provide a home and keep that dog in their home, we'll gladly help out and we'll gladly arrange transportation to do so. So that's a really important part. We want to help people in keeping their animals if they're able to.
0: Well, you have to think though, that ties right back to how you're responding to people because I imagine there's a, a lot of organizations where people do reach out and they say, can you help me? And they don't get a response. And so inevitably that dog's going to end up in a shelter if, some, if something becomes somewhere aggravated or the medical bill becomes too much. Whereas your simple response is really nipping things in the bud so that they can stay with their ha- happy little family that just couldn't afford heartworm preventative or something like that. So, I mean, I think that all ties together. It's really wonderful. Yeah. And actually, so one thing, story that
2: I, that really brightened my day. I was just driving in town and I have a Lola's Lucky Day sticker on my vehicle. And this guy next to me was like at a red light and was trying to get me to roll down my window. And I mean, that's kind of sketchy. You're looking real cute. (laughs) Okay. So I rolled down my window and he's like, Are you with Lola's Lucky Day? And I said, Yes. And he said, you saved my life. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, I'm a veteran. And I had PTSD or I have PTSD. And the only thing preventing me from going to go get help at a a treatment facility was y'all agreed to take my dog for three months while I was there. And I knew he was in a safe place and I got him back. So things like that are just things that make me recharged and want to keep doing it. So, and it, go, it goes back again, like just digging a little deeper whenever somebody asks for help. It might just be something like that, but for somebody to say it saved his life, that he wasn't going to go to treatment because of his dog. And I think it's something a lot of people can relate to.
1: Oh, it gives me chills.
0: And like, who wouldn't want to be that fostered to watch that watch
1: over that dog while someone is just getting the care that they need and to like, let them be reunited at the end. Yeah, I love it. We love being a part of positive things like that. It makes us feel good. Oh yeah. That gave me chills all
0: over. I was expecting it to be like, I adopted a dog from you and he's my best friend. <laughs> it's so much more than that. It's like his dog already was his best friend and he
1: he just wanted someone wanted to care for him while he was caring for himself. I think it's a good PSA too. Cause I, I, I think a lot of people in those situations when they think of rescues, they think I'm going to give my dog to this rescue and they're going to adopt it out to somebody else. I'm never going to see my dog again. I like that story because I think it brings attention to the idea that that is possible, that if you're going through something, there are rescues out there who will take your dog and take care of it while you take care of yourself. And then when you're ready, we can be reunited. Exactly,
0: And not to not to spend the whole podcast on this, because now I know we're going <laughs> to be talking
1: about this all day. But I think too,
0: when you're in this line of of work in animal welfare, you see the same requests come in all the time. And I think it's worth noting that you don't know how hard it was for someone to ask for help at that point in time. Like, just because you're seeing like 20 responses saying, Hey, can you help me? Doesn't mean that someone just woke up one morning and was like, I don't want to have a dog anymore. It's like, some people are actually struggling with it. It may have taken months for them to work up the nerve and the, the strength to ask for help from anyone. And like, hunting down a rescue, that's like really something that it really shows their character even. Like they want their animal taken care of and they're not just going to like throw them away. So inspiring. And now we're going to be like on cloud nine all day thinking about like all this. I know. I'm going to think about that all day. Just so sweet. Because I know you were talking a little bit about just the high level of heartworm that you were seeing come in. Because I was thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, well, with the shelter just being closed, I'm like, Maybe a blessing and a curse, because I, I know like high kill shelters. If people are just pushing all these stray dogs into a shelter, then maybe they're putting them at risk more than just like letting them be free. But I know you guys have weather in Houston <laughs> and you have uh pests. I feel like in our like because we're in California and like our little desert climate, we don't have weather and we don't have that many bugs and like mosquitoes. Nice. <laughs> I, I feel like in each region it's going to be really specialized around like what that means for a stray animal is that something that you saw maybe like there were less dogs being euthanized i know not every shelter is, is uh, euthanizing for space but is that something that you saw and then were you, or were you like no it was they were actually caring for these stray dogs more than anything and so
2: i think it had an effect of the animals were being it kind of were spilt into other shelters So the shelters that weren't taking the dogs, the effect was then transferred to other shelters. So other smaller shelters are busting at the seams. They still are. Like I'm getting SOS emails every day. They're setting up kennels where kennels weren't supposed to be because they have so many dogs. So a certain shelter, a large shelter in Houston is closed. Somebody is so desperate, they'll go dump it in a different area where The dog will be picked up there. So it's really just transferring the problem to other areas, unfortunately. So that's what we
0: have seen. That's so heartbreaking, too, because you know they're probably even more under resourced and it's making these shelter workers like their lives are probably just unbearable with the amount of hours and the type of work they're having to do then. Right. You bring up a good point, Bridget. Actually, this
2: morning I was getting a list of we partner with the SPCA and they'll send us dogs that have been there a really long time or have been like a cruelty case or that they're really trying to network and like it took me 2 seconds but i just shot the lady that handles all of the networking um please over there like 2 second email just thanking her for what she does and i can't imagine what her job looks like because sometimes I get really stressed out doing my work with Lola's Lucky Day. So I can't imagine what her job must have been like. And I sent her a picture of a dog that I got from her last week that's traveling to Wisconsin tomorrow to adopters. So just to remind her, hey, you're doing good things and what you're doing is working. And I think that's something that all of us in rescue don't see enough of is the positive. So that's one thing that's really uplifting to me is being able to see. The other side of it in the transformations and then the adoptions in Wisconsin through our partners, just how that looks is so uplifting. One of our partners is Mile High Lab Rescue in Colorado. And yesterday I got an amazing one-year update on a yellow lab that we had rescued from or hoarding situation last year. And just to see the picture of the dog with an update saying... I go on daily hikes with my parents and I snuggle in bed with them. And just how far that dog has come makes me want to just keep doing it. So it's really difficult on certain days when I look at our credit card bill, when I look at our emails, when I am doing 10 things at once and I have three little kids. So it's really rewarding to see those types of things. And then just sharing that with the people that are making it possible for us to do so as well, I think is really impactful.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That is so amazing too, to think that those adopters were probably just sitting there waiting on a list, like, please let a dog come into our area. And they were just like begging for animals when, when there are so, so many that are down in like more Southern states. So that's amazing to hear. And I think what you're saying is so true and so important that it's like those, You got to take the time out of like all the emails and all the hard things that you do to like celebrate these moments. Cause I think sometimes we just like run right by it and we don't take a moment to be like, okay, yes, like look at this dog. Look how ridiculous. Like (laughs) some of these dogs that we see, they have better lives than people. Oh, yeah.
2: We have dogs. People will send me and they're living amazing lives. They'll send me pictures. I'm on a boat on a lake in Wisconsin or. Just traveling all over, but you know, more importantly, just being loved and being part of a family. Like that's all we really want is for dogs to be treated how um, dogs should be treated. So again, that's just so rewarding in that aspect. One of the ways that really is connects the adopter is um to the background, is each dog we fill out paperwork for that accompanies the dog when they travel to our rescue partners. And it says where the dog came from. And we use OneDrive and we have a portal and it says, it has all their pictures. So like when we got, I'll save the email that said, please help me with this dog. I found it or whatever. So, you know, I'll save the trail and all the pictures. The adopter gets all of that information. So they really know the story and they know where their dog came from. And then hopefully in turn, we'll get supporters or people that'll help us. So our biggest expense is just our vet bills. So getting people to help give back to us to support that in our program is huge, but also just for people to know like where their dog came from and what it's like here in Houston, it's really so dramatically different. So being able to share that with people in Wisconsin or the other states that we adopt to is
1: really important. It's just so beautiful to look at too. Just to see an animal who was mangy or was in horrible condition, and they look at this dog in front of them, and it's some beautiful, just happy-go-lucky dog. It's it's probably just so heartwarming to see the difference. It is, and that's
2: again why I love partnering with Cuddly. It's really transparent of how we're using donations and how we take care of dogs and the process. So it's really beneficial to all of us. Being able to utilize Cuddly and just drawing that attention and showing what we're doing and how together we're helping animals.
0: What you're doing just sounds so unique too, because I don't know any adopter that looks at their dog and doesn't wonder where they came from and what what their life was before.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of people ask me, "Well, do you know their parents?" I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, "Usually no. Sometimes you know we have mama dogs." That get adopted out and we'll try and connect all the siblings and the mom with the adopters. So they'll have that group, but it's funny. And you know, a lot of ours will do DNA tests and then they'll send them back to us. And we're like, what? Oh, I love those.
0: They're so surprising. Yeah. Th- those are always interesting, but it's, it's really neat. It's really neat to see. It just is so smart too, on, on your end, just from a business aspect too, to show people like this is where your dog came from so that then they can circle back and maybe pay it forward and support a dog coming from the same
1: area and the same condition. Exactly. Or even kind of, I would say even kind of like you, maybe they see where their dog came from and then they want to go to that area and, and, and sort of have the same experience that you did and see, see what it's like. Exactly. I think that's really,
0: really important.
1: Definitely. Well, so I know you've mentioned you're working with a few
0: different rescues. Um, is that how you're able to transport dogs to Wisconsin? Because I know in your in your mission, it sounds like you almost have like another facility in in Wisconsin. Maybe you just have really great friends. That too don't have a facility there. So
2: Lola's Lucky Day is completely foster based. So although we have like at any given time like 200 dogs in foster care, we have a really small amount of fosters. So The setup that I have for our headquarters in the Houston area, I bought a house that had, it sounds extravagant, but it's not. It's a little garden home, but it happens to have a five-car garage. So a few years ago, I bought this house with the dream of making a spot, a place just for the rescue dogs. Because one hurdle that I encountered, and I think a lot of people encounter, is getting new dogs or rescue dogs, it interferes with your life and in your home, your life 24 hours. And kind of with that in mind, also, I really stressed like with our team, how important it is to take a break. Everybody needs a break. You're not going to be good when you're just stressed out and bogged down and in a bad place. So taking care of you to be the best you is the most important part on our team. So I definitely encourage taking breaks. And so I think that's really important, But The space that we have um, for our headquarters is a converted five-car garage, and it has fully insulated air conditioning and heat. We have extra double insulated garage doors with windows, two doors with windows. It has a really homey setting, which I think is so important. It has walk-in kennels with coranda beds and soft blankets, and it has a poly pet tub bathing station. We have a TV. We have all of our supplies there. It's basically like a pharmacy as well. It's lamp lighting, calming music, its own washer and dryer. So whenever we intake a dog there, it's so easy. And also just like the transformation, it really proves, I feel like it's your lucky day right now, getting a dog, giving it a bath, giving it all its initial vaccines and medication and putting a collar on it with a tag on it that says, Lola's lucky day. You belong to us now, you're safe. It just transformed the, the dog and putting it in a kennel with its own bed and just seeing it like sigh with relief. They know they're safe. I mean, of all the dogs that I've rescued, they all know that I'm helping them. And
0: that is so rewarding. Can you design our office? Cause that sounds...
2: I'm picturing it. I'll send you. No, I'll send you pictures. I have a OneDrive link, of course. So I'm super, super, super organized. So my job prior to having children was over 15 years as an executive assistant, and I think that has made Lola's lucky day a lot more efficient. And just like I have a degree in business, and I was, I worked kind of in finance. So with, and I grew up with you never spend money you don't have, and make that penny count. So. With that in mind, we're at a really good place with the lowest cost of vetting that we can get. We have great connections for specialty cases where we get discounts, um, rescue discounts. We're able to order a lot of our own vaccines. We get a lot of medication donated, ordering in bulk. Cuddly sends us stuff. Like that's huge when we get those emails and we don't have to worry about buying more food or certain medications that's being taken care of by a Cuddly supporter who lives in New York that never would have known about us without us um, being affiliated with Cuddly. So that's amazing. And it just makes the process work so much better. So I think we can contribute a lot of that, just how Lola's is run kind of as a business and with those aspects in mind and with those partnerships that we do have makes every dollar count.
0: So smart. Mm-hmm. It's so thoughtful. Additionally, like even just from a business aspect, it almost strikes me as, cause I, I know this is like a bit of a buzz right now, but like passive income streams, it's like some are being donated. Some you're just getting at low cost and some's from cuddly. It's just so smart so that if something dries up and certainly we've seen over COVID that things do. And I know Right now, just out on the port for us, like there are a lot of ships that are delayed. So you never know when certain things are going to come into stock or what's going to happen, but you're set up because you've got your different streams for everything else.
2: Yeah, so we just run it like a business. And I think that's just really beneficial to us and therefore our dogs and to our supporters as well. So if I were to run it with my heart, which I mean, I do run it with my heart, but I can't say yes to everything and just not back it up because like the cases that Cuddly is helping with us with right now, we're giving every dog we take in the best care and what that dog needs. So I'm not going to just mediocrely help a dog. We help every single dog of the over 7,500 dogs that we've helped in our program the same way. And that's with giving them the care that they need and deserve. So I'm not going to cut corners on a dog because I said yes to too many that I wasn't able to properly care for. So I think that's really important in rescue and just a part of learning as as a rescue when to say yes and when you can't.
0: Well, and I think it sounds like you've translated that even to how you're treating your volunteers and your fosters. Because I know, especially in a, a really high impact area where there's a lot of strays, There is this knee-jerk reaction that some organizations have where they're like, help this dog or else, like this ultimatum. And certainly you might get someone to help that dog out at that point, but you can't continually be treating people like that. Otherwise, everyone's going to be so emotionally exhausted and their whole home is going to be filled with animals. I love how you're translating that being like, if you want to take this dog, that would be great. But I'm not gonna. You're not gonna like stare anyone down. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I would not want somebody to do that to me. I don't think anybody likes to be be pressured. So the problem is so severe here, and there's a lot of times where things are in dire needs. But one thing I always say is, I'm not gonna make my problem your problem. Let's figure it out. But I'm not gonna try and dump something on anybody. So all of our team is equally as important. If you're fundraising, or if you're driving, or if you're just word of mouth. If you're fostering, everybody's e- as equally important to making us successful. So I would never want anybody to feel taken advantage of. Everybody's important to to make us um, what we are.
0: So great. Mm-hmm. Well, so we have some kind of fun questions for you. <laughs> Not that this hasn't, this has been so wonderful and informative. And I feel like this is even this is just good advice as a person, so I feel like this is something anyone can listen to and be like, "Yes, respect." And it's so wonderful. But our first question is because I feel like everyone has this: what is the naughtiest thing <laughs> an animal has ever done?
2: Oh, so escaped a walking kennel <gasps> to get treats. So I had this boxer named Paisley, and. So imagine our setup. Um, so they're all four foot tall walk-in kennels. We've had hundreds of dogs go through them. And so I would take care of them. Like, for example, I would take care of her in the morning and then I'd come back later that day and she had gotten into like all the pill pockets <laughs> and like destroyed all the bags. And I was worried that she was going to be really sick. And I'm like, so we also have cameras in this, so I can monitor them when I'm away. I must've forgotten to close the door. I'm like, I must, that must've been like, how else would she have been able to escape from there? And like the next day, same thing happens. I had double checked that the gate was locked or the gate was closed. And sure enough, she escaped. And the next time she got into all the treats and you can have like major stomach issues from like getting into all this stuff. But luckily we have our little pharmacy there. So that helps. So we go through the cameras and she was climbing over the top of the kennel. (laughs) My husband like put, like covered the top with another piece of the wire paneling and like got it down really good using bungee cords, really secured. Sure enough, she got out of it again. Like she was Houdini. And if I didn't have (laughs) to, I would have thought I was losing my mind or she could open doors, but she was definitely escape
0: artist. Oh my gosh, talk about like food motivated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, wow. My next question is kind of a two-parter because we are coming up on Halloween. How do you feel about animals and costumes?
2: <laughs> um, I think it's fun and cute. <laughs> okay, I mean, as long as it's not hurting them, I think it's it's neat. For example, one of our partner shelters that we're working with—they're having like a little Halloween costume contest. So. I think it can be a great way to like, just get some interest at a shelter or just drive some traffic in that aspect. So I think it could be fun in a good way. And like my three-year-old daughter, of course she wants to be a puppy, but she's also, you know, her job is vice president of Lola's Lucky Day. So she takes that very seriously, but she of course wants to like bring a dog with her. So anyway, but
0: yeah, I think it can be a good thing and I think it could be fun. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Is the dog going to dress up as her?
2: I know (laughs) little switch. They're like best friends. I have a bunch of videos, but kind of on that note, I would like to stress just how important it is. Like I have exposed my kids to everything I do. So my two and three-year-olds, I have a two-year-old and three-year-old twins. They can feed the dogs. They can let them go outside. They know how to treat dogs. They remember all the dogs' names and they get
1: oh,
2: really emotional when they leave, but just teaching them at that young of an age, this is how we treat dogs, this is what we're doing, and then I think it just creates that empathy naturally, not just for them to learn about rescuing dogs but to take that with them in their life. That's something that's really important to me because I don't think I'm going to solve this problem and we'll solve this problem in Houston anytime soon, so it's really dependent on my kids and their generation of doing things. So, incorporating them and in other kids is so important to me and Lola's lucky day just to be a part of that positive change
0: and exposing them to what we're doing. That's so great. Even just that simple thing of like treat others as you want to be treated is something that I know a lot of adults struggle with. <laughs> so, I'm sure it translates.
2: Yeah. And I think. It might even be easier for kids to relate to dogs, They'll my three-year-olds will fake read books to them. And it's amazing how calm they'll get. So, I mean, I think they are just kids who aren't as confident reading. They can read to a dog and it makes a difference for both of them, I think.
0: Oh, I love that. So sweet. Jumping back, I'm wondering, what is the best animal costume you've ever seen? Do you have any good ones? Well, right up front
2: would be a homemade costume I had made for my rescue bulldog way back way back when I was in college. I actually like made him by hand a dinosaur which was so ugly because I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I wanted to be like this awesome dog mom and make his own costume. So he looked like a ridiculous dinosaur, but I will say Some of these dog groomers have like a total art to their Mm -hmm. field, what they can do with fur. I'm definitely an amateur when it comes to grooming dogs. So I'm blown away by how some of these dog groomers can just really transform dogs with like coloring and their tools. So it's really neat to see that like lions and stuff out of their own fur. It's pretty unique. So I definitely tap my hat to that.
0: No, especially I feel like over the past couple of years, like suddenly it's like this insane, amazing art form. Yeah, that's so true. For those who don't want to DIY their own dog costume, you can you can also just go to the groomer. But I do think that's so sweet that you're like, I'm gonna with my own hands, I'm gonna make something for my <laughs> It looks so ridiculous. Like I'm sure he was very embarrassed to be wearing it, but his mom made it for him.
2: So it was made with love. Aww. I <laughs> say, If you have pictures, you're going to have to share them. Oh gosh. Yeah. I'll have to pick them up. I have a bunch of pictures of my dogs in costumes.
0: So sweet. Well, so our last question that we always ask, is there some sort of life motto or mantra that you tell yourself as you're going through rescue, as you're pulling dogs, is there something that you tell yourself to keep you inspired and continue moving on? I think it would just be positive. And then treat everyone with the same amount of
2: respect that you would like to be treated with. I think that just plays into everything. So
0: incredible. Thank you so much for chatting with us. This has been so wonderful. We're all big fans of Lola's Lucky Day and obviously for good reason. Thank you, Sydney and
2: Bridget for having me. I really appreciate it and everything that Cuddly has done to support us.
0: Wasn't Larissa such a delightful person to chat to it was so amazing. We love her take on empathy and everything that she's doing to instill a sense of respect with her community, and I think it's really showing. So, if you
1: want to learn a little bit more about Lola's Lucky Day, you can check our show notes or our blog. And as always, remember to rate, like, and subscribe to this podcast, and be sure to follow Cuddly on all social media accounts at We Love Cuddly at C U D D L Y. Thanks, guys.